and tired of Maggie's farm. She's a bitch with broken arms. Yeah, I said it. We are Hottest <laughs> 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we crush the losers, take a picture, and talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hardest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four losers you're going to be hearing from for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Andrew McDonald. Hey, hey. Adam Buncher. Hey, hey. Nathan Harrison. Hey, hey. I like you're making fun of me. We were. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're the loser we're going to crush. I was just following the trend. Lucky we're such good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Dweeb. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are at the Bon Jovi position, which means 50 songs down, 50 to go. We are about to get into it, and we are kicking off the second half of the 2000 Hottest 100 with the return of Skulker. Uh, this is Skulker at number 50 with Naughty. Naughty, Naughty. Naughty, Naughty. It's a good season one, episode season. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the deepest of deep cuts. Oh, gee. It could not be deeper. Skulker coming in at number 50 in the 2000 Hottest 100 with the song Naughty from the album Too Fat for Tahiti. Nathan, Hmm. you're a naughty boy. Ah, well, I don't think so. I think I behave pretty well most of the time. (laughs) I think you're not naughty. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm all talk. (laughs) (laughs) Neutral good. Nathan's, Nathan's alignment. Oh, uh, owned. What? Yeah. No. Damn. Hey, why are we throwing shade on neutral good? You do you do well as you be- see well being. Be- because I'm chaotic good is why I'm throwing shade on neutral good. I don't know damn. whether you're chaotic good. Probably not. Hey. You don't you don't go out of your way to do enough to be. Cha- I think we're all neutral good. <laughs> oh my Today's god! Today's the episode where I get bullied by my good friend. <laughs> it's like you're not Batman. Fuck. He's not chaotic good. Batman's chaotic good. He's nah. absolutely not. What's Batman then? What do you reckon? Because he still, he still like works with the cops and he doesn't do anything to try and change the systems. That's the thing. That create the criminals. Your jokers and your. Right. Your jesters. (laughs) (laughs) Is he lawful good? I think think he's lawful good. Is he just a PC thug? (laughs) (laughs) But he's a vigilante. I don't know. He could simply redistribute wealth. Okay. He's not a class comrade. (laughs) When Batman punches the jester, it's not Praxis. God damn. Um, this song. Yeah, this song. We talked about the song Hey. Mm-hmm. Yep, Soft J. Uh, we brought that up earlier. So where did you land on this one in comparison to the previous this track? This is a big song. Not to diminish the song too much, but it's like over five minutes, yeah. which for this kind of power pop energy, it kind of got halfway through. I was like, wow, there's still a lot more song to come. And I they- didn't actually realise it was 5.11 when I put it on. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realised... Oh man, I've been walking for a while. Like this song's been going for a, like longer than I anticipated. And I think it's a bit longer than it needs to be. I don't think it's like 
terrible for that. And and they do, especially in the second half, when they really start layering on all those harmonies, and yeah. it, it gets big. And I think that's what they're really going for in this song. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. a great chorus. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't really know what the song's about. The lyrics are a bit strange. There's a crackle and a snap. I twist my head around. It's like the thrill of the chase is in my blood. And I was like, oh, is this about like getting stalked by uh, a bad dude, a jester, so it were. <laughs> but then in, in the second verse, they're like, I wonder if it's our obsession with the unknown and the dead. I want to go, but I'm paralyzed. I can't move and it's nearly day. So I don't know what's going on there. Something dark, maybe. Or maybe just sneaking around a cemetery at night. But... I don't know. It's weird, but it's like they don't seem like spooky girls. They don't. And not spooky ghouls either. <laughs> no. Only only in October when they change their Twitter handles. To <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course. But it's, it's just like Skullcar. Yeah. Like, yeah. Skullcar. Yeah. There oh, we yeah. go. Yeah. That's way better than Spooker. Yeah. So spook. But it's good. It's big. The riffs are cool. It's got a lot of energy. And like, yeah, like those harmonies, like those vocals. Oh, when that my. kicks in, I'm like, God. I'm here for this. Like, Yo, you guys, from the man, very beginning. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I love this, Yeah, man. right. Like, cool. I got into this in such a big way. Like, just that mad riffage kind of comes in from the very start. And then you've got these, it sounds like everyone on board, all harmonizing. It's a record executive slamming his, his like, <laughs> palm down on the desk and be like, who is this? <laughs> Bring them to me now. Like, it's, it's really that. Because we talked about them, like, really positioning themselves as, like, an all-female act and being marketed that way and it's like what better way to do that than having that opening moment it's like we're all here we're all singing Mm -hmm. you hear this amount of female voices like all in unison and it's just like this powerful kind of channel Mm -hmm. just coming straight at you and like the song goes through so many changes but it does so in a blurred kind of way like the momentum of the song continues to just kind of carry and so many of the vocal lines that they go through just so catchy and just the, the, awesome. I'm Man. with you that as soon as the riff kicks in, I'm like, oh, fuck me, this fucking rules. And I actually thought the vocals, like the constant harmony in that reminded me at certain places of My Buddy Valentine with their like constant oh, true. stream of female vocals that like carry a song kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. you're on board. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I do. I'm with Nathan. I, I, I think it's a bit long. But yeah. maybe if I were like a big Skulker fan. Well, it's 5'11. Yeah. Mm. You know, they could have gotten it to a, a much more respectable number. I love like, the, I like the link. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> he was going to say 3'11. Thank okay. you. <laughs> I totally pay the ambition, though. I think yeah. like, this is, I think, their third single. So they put out Bittersweet in 1998, and then Hey came out before this. In 2000. I think it's like a third single. Like, this is ambitious. Like, yeah. this is yeah. really reaching for some huge sounds. And and so, like, even though I, yeah, maybe it goes on a bit too long, I'm like, I'd, I'd rather them, you know, shoot for something this big and pretty much still get there than be scared to not. Absolutely. You mentioned My Bloody Valentine, and uh, this reminded me of a very, very similar group, Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for real. It's such a well-crafted pop rock song that I'm just like, this could absolutely get away with being one of the quote-unquote songs that was created by the band Josie and the Pussycats mm. for, for the uh, 2001 movie. The harmony, the guitar work, the drumming, just the way it all kind of bowls in. This could absolutely be on the same album as something like Three Small Words. It fucking rips. This is absolutely the kind of song that I think teenagers would hear and it would inspire them to pick up a guitar. Yeah, like, man, that is a yeah. great call. That would be like absolutely, yeah, man. man. I didn't know like riffs are fucking sick. 
I like riffs now. I want to do riff stuff. Mm. Like it's absolutely one of those songs, I reckon. Infectious enough with good enough pop hooks, great production and great harmonies that it would inspire people to start making their own music. And it's got just the right amount of angst as well. Yeah. With you, Nathan, I don't exactly know what the song is about, but I know that it carries with it this kind of like passion and desperation the whole time. Mm. And it really adds an extra kind of edge to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're being that naughty. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think they're being that naughty, no. Well, that's why I, I don't know what the song's about. Like, yeah. if, if, if they're doing... Are they naughty or is someone else naughty? Yeah. And just being like, well, that's what I thought of. Like, yeah, I don't know. Who's naughty? Mm. Well, it's not Skulker. No. no. They're good. Yeah, they're they're good. good. Yeah, They're good. Pretty neutral good. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Knowing yeah. nothing of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. I think this is it for, uh, you know, it's just the two songs. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a really cute YouTube comment of, of someone saying they saw them at open at Big Day Out in 2004, I think. So I guess, you know, they still yeah. stuck around for a while. Mm. But the, in the comment, they said that um, they looked really quite terrified to be on such a big stage, but then they absolutely killed it. Yeah, like, Nice, that's yeah. what we want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I can totally believe that this would be the song they either open a set with or close it with. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and if they did, like, everyone's ears would be like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Hey, whoa. Yeah, imagine finishing up a set and like landing just on that final a cappella bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, one by one, they all take their instruments off and they all sing oh, that last bit God. together. Oh, God. Love are, it. Are they still around? We've got a petition to do this shit. Yeah, I, I want to get them back together. You know how podcasts can kind of achieve things every now and then? And just, do I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes podcasts will like draw attention to something and like, mm. you know, things will go crazy on the back of it. If we can get Skulker back together, that would be the, a dream come true. It's been sick to have them in the countdown though absolutely yeah, been, yeah, yeah, yeah and again right like i said a few weeks ago about the foes <laughs> i want to say it was a while ago yeah um, it was this kind of music is so essential to the identity of the Hustle 100 yeah like australian heavy riffs alternative rock the identity of the Hustle 100 would not be as cool as it is or was without bands like skulker making top half of the countdown appearances yeah with fucking five minute epic songs yeah, it's important that this, this kind of shit happened. For sure. And important that podcasts talk about it. Fucking mm. right. <laughs> We're a great podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can achieve anything. Mm. You're damn right. And number 49, it's the Dandy Warhols with Get Off. Excuse me. Warhol's coming in at number 49 in the Triple J Hottest 100. That's the song Get Off from their album 13 Tales of Urban Bohemia. Very famous uh, 90s indie slash psych rock band. Best known for their hit single Bohemian Like You and the eccentricities of frontman Courtney Taylor. Taylor. That's his real name. We now move into the commercially viable era of uh, (laughs) Dandy Warhols. The next couple records are going to have some pretty big songs on it. And it all starts here with Get Off. 
Not a Prince cover, unfortunately. Still a pretty solid tune in its own right. Adam, yeah. you have expressed some positive thoughts on the dandies in, in the past. But they don't offend me. No, the, I don't the, think the they dan- should. The dandy Warhols have not wronged me in any way so far. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a start. <laughs> yeah. I'm not starting a vendetta against them. Fantastic. That's good to know. There's no beef here. What is your take on Get Off? You're going to talk about podcasts starting something? I reckon us reintroducing this into the contemporary pro-country zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, man. The Yeehaw era really needs to get behind Get Off. Yo, it is a good time for a song about horny cowboys. Mm. There are many <laughs> other songs right. about horny cowboys around at the moment. Root revival <laughs> from Melbourne band Root. But they, they, they were country. They were horny cowboys? Mm-hmm. Well, it had a hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely need a Lil Nas X remix of Get Off. Make it happen. Get Thug on there as well, just for Ooh. the hell of it. So, like, fitting right into what's going on in music at the moment and just them playing with a country aesthetic and just embodying it kind of earnestly, really. Like, they just... <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, those backing into- vocals are... God tier. Leaning into that whole thing and using the idea of like riding a horse through a desert as a metaphor for needing to have a route. Yeah. Kind of about it. Definitely v- very them, right? It's yeah. just it's just very them. Definitely um, the, probably is this probably the horniest song we've spoken about this countdown? Ooh. Ooh. Whatever song is hornier than this needs to be the chorus that is literally all I want to do is get off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good luck to everyone there. It's also kind of about Jerking off, yeah. I don't know, man. Probably. If, if you can't make it, you're gonna. You still got to get off. Well, it's, it's all he wants to do. Mm. Yeah, it's a good looking guy. He's not, he's not talking about getting off a horse. Wait, no. <laughs> definitely they're not talking. Pretty, about they're it. all pretty good looking. Your Uncle Courtney Taylor Taylor get off a horse, and if your Uncle Courtney Taylor Taylor jerk off a horse. <laughs> Not about that. No. So, yeah, as you said, like, this is kind of a little bit before they break into the mainstream mainstream. Yeah. Um, as bemoaned by NME, saying, like, does it really take a major bastard ad campaign for the radio big knobs to spot a decent tune when it chews their fucking faces off? Oh, I've got a different one from NME, saying that the song sounds like a thousand Sioux Indians invading the whorehouse at the Hike Chaparral for a bongs and blowjobs toga keg party. Writing about music that was that's very is not like, for everyone. We don't have time to unpack all of that. Big time. There's a lot to unpack Fuck. in that one. Lads, I need to lie down. Yeah. That's, that's fucking dancing about architecture right there. That is. So I wouldn't describe the song in that way. No. But describe it as a metaphor for wanting to get off yeah. using cowboys. A very, very thin metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have enough fun with it. I, like It's yeah. catchy. It's well written. It's well realized in terms of the conceit. Yeah. I don't love it. But no. I kind of do. I'd say this is up there as one of my favorite dandy songs. It's just got a great energy to it. It's super catchy. Like that melody just works wonders. There's that kind of barroom friendly vibe to it where you can just imagine the band kind of kicking into this in the corner of a room where there's like a bunch of like grotty old dudes just staring into their beers. Clinking glasses. I can't yeah. this song. Oh, this right? is this is really like old school, like bands playing behind chicken wire <laughs> so they can not get hit by the glasses. Yeah. I really, really dig this. I love this whole record. And even out of the context of like hearing this in in the sequence of the record, this is still a dandy's track that I like to come back to personally. It's so funny to me, like with enemy Bimoni, they weren't as big as they wanted them to be or whatever. And like then their biggest breakthrough was from this same record, but like not from this single. Like I enjoyed this song, even though I, I feel like it insists upon itself a little for me. Like, yeah, okay. For me to truly love it. There's so few lyrics in it as well. 
It's like, well, re- he, he's, there's only one thing he wants to do, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether you know. But there's not a lot going on lyrically. And then, I don't know, just the whole country thing. I was just like, I, why are we? Okay, cool. We, I, we're doing I, this. I, that, yeah. I, I love the hoo-ha. Oh, like, man, it's that's so a, good. That's a terrific addition to the song. Hoo-ha. Yeah. There's things here to enjoy. <laughs> and, like, I think Courtney Taylor Taylor is a very good front man. He carries swagger into his performances even without seeing him. Yeah, and there's also something about the whole Dandy Warhol's aesthetic that's carried through in this song as well. Like, it being upfront about sex, it's a little bit yeah. kind of queer. Yeah, I don't know whether I'm retrospectively reading that because I know a lot of country stuff that's coming out right now <laughs> is kind of queer yeah. as well. But I, I still get that to some no, extent but, no, as because, well. Because Courtney like, looks, like I said before, he's a super handsome dude, but he, he yeah. has a, a kind of almost feminine androgyny to him as well. Yeah, like, I think that's here, right? Yeah, even though this song is definitely like written from a masculinist point of view. Well, it's just like, I think any time that you play with country and you're not being 100% earnest because country is so masculine. Yeah. It's always going to carry a little bit of that other kind of mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. I think it's fun. I'm not trying to say I dislike the song, but like, it's I guess just I'm, a limit to the love, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah but I like, am the same way. It is fun though. Hell like, yeah. Yeah. Hoo ha. Hoo ha. Yeah. Here for the hoo ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is also like. That's the title of your autobiography. Yeah. And the, your sex tape. Yeah. The virgin hoo ha versus the chad yee whore, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit. Yeah. But Porkelonos yeah. Dos, really. But imagine like, if that was back in Miracles with them going, yeehaw. Oh, man. That'd be fucking better, right? I mean. I'm not trying to punch this up. No, I am actually literally trying <laughs> to punch this up. Are you trying up. to does punch that, up the jam? Does uh-huh. that not push it into, like, too much parody territory, though? Maybe. I think mm. it does. Uh, maybe. maybe just, like, one at the end. Like, a yeehaw. Bam, 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 bam. Maybe. But I like the idea of them being deep. Yeah, like, you build yeehaw. up to it. Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> this is sounding almost cows with gunsy now when I do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another great country song. Yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we like stuff. we like all the great country classics here <laughs> on Hoist yeah. 100s and Thousands. And in their own way, those cows are just trying to get off the farm that they were on. That's right. To get bodied. Yeah. 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 Cows are really horny for getting off of industrialized meat farms. Cows are horny for freedom. Mm. But cows for are just horny freedom. For bovine freedom. They're horny for holding their large heads high. Mm. Cows do comes. That'll do. Yeah. Number 48, it's Regurgitator with Crush the Losers. Crush the Losers uh, by Regurgitator coming in at number 48 in the 2000 Hardest 100. Andrew? David? 
You've crushed your fair share of losers in oh, your time. I was really hoping that went that way and didn't know. You've been crushed as a loser. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the bully Andrew rep. I'm glad that you specifically mentioned the countdown of year 2000 because this is a super fucking year 2000 oh song God. as it was released on an EP with the same name, specifically not like commissioned by or written <laughs> for, but to coincide with the 2000 Sydney Olympics. The cover up for it is very cute as well. It's the Olympic rings, but there's five little... Regurgitated little creatures. Gurgy babies. Um, yeah. So sick. Like, I think this song fucking rules. It's heaps of fun. The roof I- is tight as hell. The cowbell beat stuff is sick. And also, as far as I can tell, it's just about how awesome it is to be winning. I it's had- real Ricky Bobby if you're not just- first, you're last. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that Regurgitator did this. And then just learning about the project, I think this is so fucking funny. It's so funny, it's, right? It's like, incredible. You release a track that's like basically an homage to like All Right Now and classic cock rock. Yeah. yeah. You embody that in the way that only the Gurge can. Yeah. Subverting it in your own little Gurgy kind of ways, making it sound the way that they do with all their tracks, like kind of like overly produced and kind of plasticky, but in like a, in such a cool way that just, mm. just belongs to them and the a little bit of mixing up of the riff in, in there as well. And then you've, you write out about the Olympics, which is like the Olympics and it's talk about being highfalutin. It's like, it's about the world. Yeah. And like coming the, together. Yeah. The coming in, together to find, to witness the, 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 the feats of humanity. Yeah. And to see the best that we can possibly be. Every nah, nation on earth. Yeah. Nah, fuck that. Crush the losers. Yeah, if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, but that's it. That fucking rule. Hell Even yeah. on top of that, it's all that like <laughs> hyper masculine, like, I'm going to win. And I'm, you know, I'm so. Yeah. And, and regurgitated a bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Because I'm fit and I'm stoned. Like, yeah, like peak yeah. physical condition. Obviously, it's partly poking fun at the idea of striving for the peak of physical perfection. It's also that, but it also it's about how it, it rules to win. Like, yeah. winning's the best. Sometimes you've got to be the best. Sometimes your podcast has to be the best. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I, that's why I feel this song so deeply. Yeah, because <laughs> we out here crushing the Loses right now. I love that there was a full EP (laughs) dedicated to the the Olympic Games. And I imagine it's all kind of of this tone. And this actually carried the subtitle unofficial theme song of the games. That's what Regurgitator named it. (laughs) Take a bow, guys. I don't don't know if anyone else did anything like this in the year 2000 or whether the Gurge stood alone. But if I didn't already fucking adore this band and what they did for music culture in the country, then God damn it. You've just crushed the losers. Yeah. It's like, it feels so Australian and so like what I want Australian not super serious music to be like is yeah. like the Olympics are coming and a band's like, let's write an unofficial theme song about crushing losers because <laughs> that's all the games are really about. It's so funny. The other tracks on the EP are Injury, Time in the Wilderness, Physio, a cover of Eye of the Tiger, and then the closing track is Return of the Loser. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I've got to so get that much. EP, man. Yeah. It's a real good thing as well, just like of how bands can create a record of things. This is a record of an attitude in Australia towards the games at a certain point in time. And when bands write music about things that are happening like this, then that creates a history and a record of all these events, but from a very different perspective than than the normal one. Probably every Olympic Games has some shitty little band in that city that has written an amazingly funny 
song to go along with it. Do you reckon? I think it feels very Australian to do this. Oh, maybe. We definitely embrace it and I think maybe we nurture it more. I I reckon that... You don't think there'd be some like shitty punk punk band band being like, we're going to like do this really stupid song about... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're convincing me. But also like... You're crushing this loser. (laughs) (laughs) I also think though, like Australia has a very particular mindset and fixation upon sport. I don't know I don't know whether it's, this is different in other countries or not, but I certainly know growing up there's a whole lot of sport being more than just sport. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it was mm-hmm. is always regarded as more than just a game and all this talk goes along with it inside the Olympics or out. I imagine it reached a fever pitch with the Olympics, but I can believe that like me, regurgitator grew up maybe not as into sport culture and whatever. And then this mm. just kind of went, they knew exactly what they had to kind of do and the exact song that they had to kind of write. Yeah, we look at, for our obsession, all you've got to do is look at how Australian of the Year alternates between a scientist working to cure cancer and then a sports person and then a victim of spousal abuse and then a sports person. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just so on brand for the Gurge to have done this. So good. A few other bands could have done it as well. I'm sure like... Tism would have been way more ironic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, Tism have songs in this sphere as well. Absolutely, like, yeah. Th- I just love it on a surface level, saying just like, sometimes you have to crush the losers. <laughs> like, who remembers Silver Medal? You have to crush the losers. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the best, yeah. To, to quote, yeah. shaved muscle, hot fist. Just, even just that. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'm number one. There's nothing better than this. If you're second, then you're last. Another extra in an all-star cast. Yeah. Hectic. Fucking I love, I love the chord progression in the chorus because that whole instrumental is basically a rip-off of Backman Turner Overdrive's You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Oh, mm. fully, yeah. Yeah. But also the Who's Barbara O'Reilly. Also, you could trace that back to Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard. A lot of very big, get your hands in the air, clap along kind of songs. I went to All Right Now. Like, that's the one that I... Oh, by Free? Yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's got all that kind of, like, vibe to it. Think- no one else could put this out. Like, if a bunch of, like, obnoxious jock assholes put this out, you'd be like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. 100%. But seeing the Gurge do it, you're just like, fuck yeah, dude. That's yeah. that's great. I'm, you, I'm here for it. You crush those losers, Gurge. <laughs> yeah. You crush him. You crush him. Good boys. Go Good, on. Yeah. yeah. Give him a crush. Give him a crush. Yeah. Give him a little crush. Yeah. For sideline. Like, yeah. Crush him up. Yeah. Yeah. Crush him! Good hands! Yeah. Crush! Yeah. Yeah. Elbows! Come on! Number 47, this is Placebo with Slave to the Wedge. Placebo with Slave to the Wage, and we are gonna throw it 
to Mr. Adam Buncher. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> You're going to we... call me the resident wage slave. <laughs> we all are, though. That's yeah. the point. Baby. Yes. That's the joke. And that really sucked. <laughs> I mean, it does really suck. And that's what Brian's trying to say. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, this is um, Placebo coming up on Black Market Music, which a mm. um, bit of an odd child in the Placebo discography. They were phenomenally successful with their previous album. They're here now. People yeah. know Placebo. And that's kind of what made Black Market Music, in Placebo's own words, a bit of a weird one. Molko kind of <laughs> describes coming in and saying that they had like all this swagger and bravado going into the studio because they just came off a successful tour. But then they kind of got really heavy medicated and into drugs and it took a long time to make the album, something like along the course of like nine months or whatever in the studio. And then it just made them kind of really arrogant about it. So it was all kind of a little bit of a mess. Mm. And then it kind of came out the, the critical reception was a little bit mixed at the time as well. And Brian has looked back on this and saying that it's actually his least favourite placebo album. But they were attempting a whole bunch of other things. Did, did he say that before he released the last few? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do wonder about yeah. that. Yeah, Bruh. What I think is interesting is that part of their mission statement in making this album was they were seeing a lot of stuff that was happening in new metal and they particularly name Limp Bizkit. And they say like, we, we like the experimentation that we're seeing in music and we want to do our own twist on that without any of the misogyny, homophobia or commercial. Huh, nice. <laughs> oh, man. That's slapping the hand that feeds, and I love it. That's, like, mostly backhanded. Yeah. <laughs> and you do hear that when you listen to the album. There's a lot of experimentation. There's a lot of new sound. The, the very opening, which we'll get to talk about a little bit later on in this mm. countdown, I think stands as a really strong example of that. Although I do think... On the album itself, it is a little bit patchy, but Placebo are a phenomenal singles band. Mm. And I really don't think they need to be anything more than that. I've said this before other times we've talked about Placebo. You can kind of pick and choose. They're a great um, best-of band. They're an amazing best-of band. This is a song that I knew from the best-of, which is how I got to, to know Placebo. And it does a lot of things that Placebo do really well. It's got that venom because it's just placebo, they they can't do anything without Venom. And it's still got that same, like, Eurotrash nihilism aesthetic that they kind yeah. of always kind of embody cigarettes and black turtlenecks. Yeah, it's real, like, uh, the ennui of the day, <laughs> just smoking kind of thing, right? Fully, and they take that and they actually write a song about the yeah. ennui of the day. Mm. Slave to the Wage, it's about what you think it is about. And I know that this is a little bit dangerous ground for bands to kind of write songs about in this podcast. We've had various times where we've been like, yeah, all right, man, it's all very well for for you to say that you're in a band and you don't actually a slave to the wage yeah. at all. It sticks out the most in the line that begins with all it takes. Yeah. It's like, all right, Brian, that's all it takes, is it? Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, just, is that simple? What's that full lyric? All uh, it takes is... um Is one decision, a lot of guts, a little vision to wave your worries and cares goodbye. That Okay, that actually it, pisses me off quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. It, okay, good, oh, good. I like the song I liked the song so much more five seconds ago. <laughs> I've been harsh on bands you for have? this kind of rhetoric in the past. I've harsh finger, on it a lot. Right? You were very hard on the finger for saying your love will be forever young or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, work sucks, but keep your love forever young. Yeah. What, what does that mean? That doesn't help me. That doesn't help me. I will point out that if I'm going to be fair and even-handed, I have to give him a little bit of a slap <laughs> for that. But I actually think that in the end, what I get, just you know, saying that the proof of the pudding is in the eating, I feel comforted by this song. Okay. I think it's more musically than it is lyrically, to be honest. But even lyrically and vocally, just right at the end where he's just like very calmly and gently saying, run away. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, something cool. really, yeah. really tender and lovely about that. I just don't like just... him calling me a rat. I'm like, I can call me a rat. Yeah, because I, I am a slave to the wage. But you're not. You don't get you don't to call get me to... a fucking rat. Yeah, yeah. That's our word yeah. for rats. Yeah, <laughs> which we are. Yeah, we're we rats. Are. Yeah, we can say like f- fully though. It's fucking if. Jeff Bezos called you like, uh, you fucking filthy wage slave, right in the rat race. You'd go off. Yeah. You'd yeah. go off, King. I'd be like, first of all, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me start Give him like- a piece of my mind. <laughs> but I do think the swirling guitars, the bass line, the- again, I want to talk about the guitars again. I just mentioned how that they're great. They're, they're <laughs> just so many different tones and textures that are kind of created with it. So many different layers, and it it does kind of wrap you up enough that you do feel comforted as a as a kind of net result of the song. I find I'm fully with you. Like multi millionaire rock stars, who admittedly like are probably their heart is in the right place. Yeah, that's the thing. They're like, I know how fucking bad it is because you don't just go like some people do, yeah. but you don't just go from being a person who goes to school to a millionaire rock star. There's generally crappy jobs in between that. So they know that kind of feeling, right? But it does piss me off hearing it kind of thing. But I think this song is very fucking good, though. Apart yeah, from, like, the music stuff is great. I really like that screechy guitar that comes in now and then, and it's a sample of Pavement's Texas Never Whispers. No oh, really? Way. And it's employed fantastically, I think. And again, Brian's voice is always in terrific form. Yeah. Like he's just no matter what, he is he the, one of those guys that can just, he's so idiosyncratic and quintessential. He can sing for like two seconds. You can go, yeah, that's Brian Malko. He always makes things really accessible and super catchy and super melodic. Like he has a lot of driving force behind his voice, even though it, it does have that kind of, yeah, like that kind of mewling kind of timidness to it. He can contrast that with like belting it out for points, you know, which works really, really well. Yeah. Timidness is kind of the right word, I think there, like you said. But like, in spite of that, he just has so much fucking bravado and swagger as a front person that like the timidness works to his advantage. He's like a meek, also weird looking androgynous skinny alien creature. Um, and his voice sounds like that as well. And he uses that to just channel swagger into shit. So it always sounds like he's a rock star, even if he is kind of a weirdo, timid freak. I don't mean that as a compliment. But and I think the band here in very good form as well, like it chugs along between kind of like a mix between kind of punk rock and like shoegaze and indie rock that all kind of like work together as a constant stream of sound. Apart from the kind of frustrating class obliviousness yeah, in there, yeah. it's still a very good song, I think. It also does rem- remind me of uh, a lyric from The Great Friends of Rom in the song Brian's Problems, where they <laughs> include the lyric, you think that Brian Marco has the answers from placebo, but he's just another millionaire who knows his life is good. He makes a dollar twenty every time you feel misunderstood. Great song. Great song. I really wow. love that song. Yeah. Wow. What a weird diss track. Yeah. Like of all the people to go for. Yeah, well, no, nah, Brian Molko. It's not necessarily about him in particular. It's just exemplary of that kind yeah. of idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <gasps> Whatever works, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> And number 46, this is Filter with Take a Picture. It lasts longer. (laughs) Oh, it does.
Filter coming in at number 46 in the 2000 Hottest 100. That's a song called Take a Picture. It is from their 1999 album, Title of Record. That's literally what it's called. Mm. It's fun to be clever. Yeah, (laughs) I I like it. I like it. The only other mildly clever one that I can think of in that same vein is Benny Davis from the Axis of Awesome put out a solo record a couple of years ago. And the album title was, I don't know, man, just make it a cool font. (laughs) That's great. It's like all those great Bojack jokes with the banners that are like, happy birthday, but make it say this. Yes. (laughs) So we come to a new era of filter in the late 90s. The original lineup had disintegrated and at this point it very much becomes like a one-man band with a bunch of random guys coming and going. If you want a nice colourful journey through rock music, go to Filter's Wikipedia page and look at their timeline because it is just a lot of very pretty multicoloured dots. Just a lot of people coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. It starts at Nine Inch Nails, too. It does, yes, as a lot of great things do. Former member of Nine Inch Nails breaking out on his own and obviously breaking through with a little song you may remember from season three of Hottest 100s and Thousands, Hey Man, Nice Shots. Which was our yeah. theme music at my insistence because I fucking love that song. It's a good song. And I'll tell you what, I fucking love this song too. This is a classic instance of a alternative rock band absolutely going gangbusters with a single that sounds nothing like anything else they have put out. We've talked at length about various bands doing that, ranging from Green Day to Faith No More and back again, and this may be one of the prime examples of that. Obviously, creatively, sonically, artistically, this is a world away from... Like, all the industrial influence is gone, all the darkness is gone. This is a very, very cathartic, acoustic, percussively driven ballad. Like, uh, when we were playing the song uh, in the room just early, we were all uh, pretending to play bongos because that's that's the kind of thing that this song makes you want to do. It makes you want to play bongos, man. I love Richard Patrick's vocals here. His drawl kind of reminds me a little bit of Liam Gallagher, which Fully. I yeah, which I wasn't expecting to kind of parallel, considering you know his history. But yeah, like it's definitely there. Yeah, that open D acoustic tuning just it sounds just gorgeous. I really really love that, and then just absolutely bringing it home with that massive hey dad what do you think about your son now like that is such a huge moment in that song like it really really takes off at that point and this is a song that I loved as a kid this was the first thing I heard of filters obviously listening to radio growing up and I had no idea about any of their other music for a really really long time I was obviously quite surprised when I found their other music I'm just like oh really so it doesn't all have bongos (laughs) interesting even if I peer at this song without the nostalgia goggles I still see like a really genuinely great song it's a really solid pop song like it really just draws you in and it has that kind of soaring quality that is very very rare to come by it's a really unique song within the band's canon because nothing sounded like it before and nothing really sounded like it since. 
they're obviously a band with a lot of troubled history. They've tried to get things off the ground to no avail and they've had a bunch of tanked albums and Richard hasn't always been the best guy to work with. You know, he's uh, stormed off various festival stages and thrown various tantrums and had various fights with a bunch of people. He can be a hostile guy, which is obviously why he's the only original member of Filter. But for whatever it's worth... I fucking adore this song and I've always adored this song and I don't know if it's the fact that I adored this song as a kid that means that I still adore it now but I just objectively can't see this any other way I've just (laughs) always just been so enamored by this song like it could come up on a million playlists it could come up in all of my daily mixes it could come up in any random shuffle instance it could come on on the radio anything like that and i will be right there with it i always will be it's so fucking fascinating to me that the song a that it's by the same fucking band yeah truly sounds nothing like yeah absolutely Um, but b it has such optimistic hugeness but do we know what it's about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the best thing. Yeah. When I wrote the chorus to take a... This is um, Richard Patrick saying, yeah. when, I, when I wrote the chorus to take a picture, it was just after my friend was like, do you remember anything you, you did last night? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, my God, you were throwing beer bottles out of a cab window at a cop car. Do you remember that? And I said, good Lord, could you take my picture? Because I won't remember that. Um, and that line kind of stuck. Weeks later, I had another drunken experience. Being on a plane and being blacked out and not feeling good, taking off my shirt... And going half in and out of consciousness. I'm in the back of a paddy wagon after this thinking, oh my God, what is my dad going to think of this shit? So the song is an amazing thing to look back on now. So for this song, it's like <laughs> dripping in optimism. It's and, like it's And that soaring lush music. Yeah. It's just about being a blackout drunk, drunk fucker. Fuck. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's the thing that awake on my airplane, my skin is bare, my skin is theirs. Because he took his shirt off because he was drunk on a plane. Yeah, like it's and like and the, it's very literal. Yeah, I know, right? The sound of it makes it sound like you've broken through to this new fucking plane of something, and you're like, "What will my dad think now that he sees me? He'll be proud of me. I, I feel like a newborn. I'm awake on my airplane, like above it all." No, no, it's about being a drunken dickhead. That's absolutely all it's about. Do you think this? It's worth drawing a parallel between it's inspired by and it's about. I don't know. But it's so explicit. Like, the lyrics explicitly are about these events. Yeah. They're about those events, but is that what the song is about? It's insane to me, man. I don't know. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. In the translation and in the writing of the song, if you get something different, if you get something that is more transformative and optimistic and whatever. Yeah, and of course, like, if if you want to analyse it from an author is dead point of view, then you can take that interpretation. But also, I feel like if he wanted it to be about something bigger than what it is, why would you ever tell anybody that this optimistic song that may have given hope to people is about you being an uncontrollable cock and like <laughs> getting naked on a plane and asking Uncontrollable your cock was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Hoo-ha! <laughs> so with yes. that in mind, the song completely changed me and I read it as like sanctimonious and preachy in a way that he's like trying to say like, show how enlightened he is it, like because it sounds like it's enlightenment but the truth is he's just an uncontrollable addict and yeah. it's, it's like it's so i don't know man like i, I feel like are you okay i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the sum of the of the parts is way less than they are individually, individually that's a fair call man it's all this shit that's like kind of like 
optimistic and like it is so soaring. It's not my cup of tea personally, but you could easily call it beautiful. Yeah, this song sits. Absolutely. When you look out of your plane window and you are just above cloud totally. level. Totally. That's and where this song lives. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at all the individual parts, it then becomes this absolute shitter for me. I think okay, that's all right. amazing. Yeah, well, I, 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 I love that about it. But this. I don't know if it's good or not. I don't know if it's good. Uh, what if we marry these two ideas together and you are an uncontrollable fuck up? On an airplane, and uh, everyone. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the bully Andrew rant, but come on, man. Everyone else is judging you. <laughs> what you're experiencing is Nevada. You're just looking out that plane window and you're drunk and you don't actually care what anyone's thinking about you. You're having this euphoric experience. But that, when, that- you're, when you're drunk and you're lobbing beer bottles at something, you're probably having a euphoric experience yes, there. That's the bad part of me. That's a fucking selfish, dark part that if you get drunk and make everybody else's life so annoying just so you can have a few moments of drunken happiness, that is fucking selfish as piss, man. It is. I'm not saying that yeah. it's not. What what alignment would that be? Like chaotic evil? No, not chaotic. But some of the, some of the best- <laughs> True neutral. Honestly, like yeah. some of the best songs we've talked about have been about guys openly admitting that they are fuck-ups. This doesn't sound like he's admitting he's a fuck-up because in the song it doesn't say that. He admitted he he's literally, a fuck-up. He literally a- says, I. No, yeah, but- yeah, but he's not saying like, I'm a bad person for doing this. He's not like- He's just saying- There's no apology. He's awake on not- my airplane, my skin is bare, my skin is theirs. He, he admits he's a fuck-up in an interview later. The yeah, song doesn't, okay. The song I- isn't the confession. I like the tension. I like the tension between the the personal experience and what the reality of that experience is. I really don't. I don't, I don't even know. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm fucking bamboozled. This is me. And this is me taking cues off like you trying to unpack the song and whatever. Like that's where I kind of arrive with it, I guess. This is me just at peak confusion. I hurt myself into confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm level Ed- one Jigglypuff. <laughs> Andrew is flailing wildly. <laughs> I mean, do you feel the same way about a song like, I don't know, like the drugs don't work, for instance? Or any of, like, any songs by, like, Shane McGowan or Scott Whelan or any guys like that. There's a Mm. difference because until you read that interview, you don't know that the song is about him being a blackout drunk. Yeah. That's not clear. But I think it still works even when you know that. I think so, too, because I think that's kind of amazing that you can take such fuck up and then somehow produce something good. It It doesn't justify the fuck up, but it's just kind of funny, really. But I think it's different in a song like The Drugs Don't Work where the song is explicitly saying, I'm fucked up, but the song is looking for redemption through that. Whereas in this song, he's just being like, look at this transcendental experience I had where I was on a plane wearing no shirt, but it was actually just him being a a fuckhead. Planes are hard. (laughs) Look, I get it. I drink on a plane as well. I'm too tall to fit in any of the seats, so I have to get I'm too fat, so (laughs) we're we're a hell of a pair. Yeah. Let's never travel steady side by side. And also, you don't drink, so I'll be be the fucker. (laughs) And then then you'll understand where I'm coming from. You're like, all right, this is why Andrew was uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drunkenly yelling at you. Andrew's like, I'm going to take my shirt off, all right? (laughs) That's all right, yeah? (laughs) Man, when did you get that filter tattoo? (laughs) (laughs) This afternoon. (laughs) Obviously, nobody likes air travel, unless you're rich. But the idea of making a scene on a plane is... Horrific to me. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't know where I sit with this song. That's great. The song by itself is quite lovely, 
and I'll be fine with that. Yeah. But well, to quote okay. another Oasis song, just let it be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are speaking words of wisdom, my friend. Oasis love letting it be. So they can have a little bit of B as a treat. <laughs> That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. We love you, we appreciate you, and we really hope that you remember because we certainly won't. To take us out, we are going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue that ever-continuing story of Carryover Champ and Carryover Chump. Okay, this is a kind of a difficult one because I don't think there is an out-and-out stinker among the five songs that we talked about. This is a pretty strong bracket. Does anyone have any initial thoughts on this one? My fave is Crush the Losers. Crush the Losers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but my champ- is, that a, is that a snap? Snap. Yep. Losers yeah, crushed. snap. Like, look, Skulko were great as well. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Like, you know? Absolutely. And, and I do think the Placebo song sounds great. I love the Placebo song too. Yeah. But yeah, my favourite is Crush the Losers, my champ, whoever remains Fiona Rapple. And you're right, I don't, I don't hate the Filter song, but it is my least favourite, but it's nowhere near as bad as my chump, which is Black Jesus. Black Jesus! My favourite... Honestly, I'm going to give it to Filter and Mm. I'm going to make it my new champ because hearing that song again just reminded me what a fucking journey that song takes me on and I'm here for it, man. I I really, really fucking love that song. What's your least fave then? It's a tough one, I guess. Fifth favourite. I'm going to go with Crush the Losers just because I have the least relationship to it. Mm -hmm. Naughty, I really connected with instantly. Get Off is an old favourite and Slave to the Wage, I have sentimental value for just being a placebo song from like an era of placebo that I really love. Crush the Losers is good, but I don't think it matches up to those other three songs. We're the reverse. Mm. I know. I don't think that's happened that often. Uh, I think my least favourite is Get Off. Um, Okay. My champ and chump will remain the same. Cool. Adam? Yeah, my fifth best is Get Off. All right. And my champion chump remains the same. Fair call. Fair call. All right, folks. We'll be back next week with another classic episode of your favorite bloody podcast. Oh, you love to hear it. You love to hear it. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, keep in touch via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hottest100s. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And if you have any extended thoughts, that won't fit into a tweet or a Facebook message or anything like that, then head over to hottest100s1000s at gmail.com and one of us will get back to you. In the meantime, on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. Mr. Adam Buncher. (laughs) Hoo-ha. And Mr. Andrew McDonald. (laughs) Yee-ho. He said bye. Let's start bullying Nathan. (laughs) We're done with it. Yes, Oh, no. Oh, no. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. Crush the losers. Indeed.